American football in Finland. The voice in your ears is Perfect Purpose, and this is American Football in Finland. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Coach Q. Q, what's going on? Going on, people. We back. The AFF Podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, YouTube, and wherever you listen to your podcast. The American Football and Finland Podcast is now available on more than 30 different platforms. Wherever you listen, be sure to rate us. Anything less than five stars will tell us that you are a hater. All right, we got first down, chance to start fresh and talk about anything on our minds. Q, what you got going, man? No, not much, man. Not much, man. Just a surprising week of football, and uh, it's getting it's getting hotter everywhere now, boy. It's summertime. We here. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say was, you know, Finland, we finally got some warm weather. Me and Q was talking about this before we started recording. It's not hot out here, man. Like, today is 26 degrees. That is 78 degrees, excuse me, Fahrenheit. It's not hot. It's warm, a little bit warmer than what you want, because what you want is a crisp 74 degrees. That's what you want, 74 yeah. degrees. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you you want to be, like, 70 in your house in the shade, but you go outside, you want 74 in the breeze, because that means you got a little sun. You want a little bit of sun, but not too much sun. Out here, you know, 78 is not bad. 26 degrees not bad, and the wind is cool and refreshing. But inside is where it gets warm because a lot of these buildings and houses are built for the winter. So there's no air moving. That's the problem. Like if you get into situations where there's no air moving, like if you get on like trains and buses and stuff, it's hot as hell inside them things because you like in a furnace. And yet people are still going to be, this song about to come up, so people are still going to be going to sauna, jumping in the lake, going to sauna. I'm not going in the sauna now. I go outside. Get a little tan, get a little bit of heat, but I'm not going in the damn oven first. Okay, so we got players of the week on our Instagram. We already have them published, but of course we got to go into depth this week. Interestingly enough, both of our players are on the same team. Just to show you how we felt about the games played this week. Offensive player of the week is Seth Rowland, the running back from UNC Crusaders. Just a little bit about him. He had Stat-wise, he had 16 attempts, 159 yards, two touchdowns, 228 all-purpose yards. And I want to talk about Seth right now because I feel like his his contribution to this team and even in this win that they just had might be overshadowed by how many, like, really good imports they have. This guy is the life line for this team. Like, he is what makes this offense go. And even outside of that in field position, he does a little bit on the punt return and kick returns to help them, you know, get in better field position. But in this game, I think what Seth Rowland did was he helped them stay in this game early. I think in the first half, he had 130 yards rushing and the two touchdowns. And I think without that in the first half, this game might have got away from this team. And what he did was he was able to, you know, do him. I mean, his linemen don't really block. So he does him and he gets all his yards, uses his incredible speed and vision to make plays happen. 
and keep the offense on the field so that they can eventually, you know, get to the one or two pass plays. At one point in this game, I think Seth had like 12, 13 carries and the quarterback had threw five passes. And when you think about the UNC Crusaders, you don't even think that they're a team that don't pass that much, but that's what they are. That's what they're actually best at is giving the ball to Seth Rowland, letting him ride. And this game was evidence of it. And you saw he kind of carried them in the first half of this game. Second half, he wasn't utilized nearly as much, but that was mostly because their defense did more of their work for them in the second half. So that's what I thought about him. What were your thoughts on him, Q? The same thing. I thought Seth, he, he, he took this game on his back. You could see how hard he was running. He wanted to make sure they won this game. It was it was nothing uh, that that he couldn't do or didn't do in the game. So you could tell, like he he had chip on his shoulder. His post game interview was hilarious too. By the way, I didn't he's, see. He's it. just a, he's the type of person who's like you. You can't help but like him, like him on your team. But uh, he definitely showed up for his team. I mean, he was gashing them. There's, there's nothing they could do with him, and, and that's yeah. what you want under your running back. Especially for a team like that, that that's struggling to find its real identity. But now I think they found it. Like, got a quarterback that's super mobile. Uh, he can throw. And now you can see what that offense can do. Yeah. So uh, I think Seth is a, just a big part of it. I think this is just last thing I would say about Seth Rollins. This might be the only game of the season where he didn't lead the team in rushing and receiving. Like, because. <laughs> I guess when they found a quarterback who can throw, they don't have to throw it to him as much. I don't know. But normally he has like six receptions and like another 60 yards to receive it. But still, I think he's averaging 200 yards all purpose every game. Like he he puts up a majority of their production no matter what it is. But the second player we have who, I mean, we he kind of could have been offensive player of the week too. But defensive player of the week is none other than Mr. Top Shelf himself, Curtis Slater, defensive back slash wide receiver for the UNC Crusaders. Defensively, in this game, he had two tackles, two pass breakups, and two interceptions. Uh, what I wanted to say was, I don't. This is one of those picks where people might not understand why we picked them. It wasn't about the stats. It was not about the stats. It. This guy made big plays, and just talking defensively, I mean, we could go offensively, but we won't. But he made big plays in big moments. He did what we want import players to do. He did what we want the paid players to do. When his team was giving up yards and they were in the red zone, quarterback tries to, I guess, throw it away. I don't know exactly what Tim was doing with that throw, but it ended up being an interception touchback at the end of in the end zone that kept his defense and his team from going down by two scores or at least going down by eight. I think they were down by one at the point. And if they would have gave up seven more, they would have been down by eight. And that's not to say that eventually it wouldn't have got down to two scores because of it, but he gave his team a chance. And then later in the fourth quarter, when, you know, it looks like the Royals might have a chance to tie back up, he gets a pick. I thought that was going to seal the game. But then his offense didn't get in the yard, so then they got another chance. But when he got that pick in the fourth quarter, I was like, oh, that's it. That's game. They're going to go down there and score and be over. And then at the actual last drive for the Royals, there was a play. They threw the ball to Alpha Jallo as Slater was there to break it up. That That's three plays, and you're like, oh, there's only three plays. But those three plays, legitimately, that's 21 points <laughs> that he basically prevented. 
by himself, not by himself, but him being in the right position. And it's just a credit to him. Even in the last game that he played before, he had an interception and a touchdown. Like, defensively, he has proven to be that guy. And in this game, Mm -hmm. he showed up every time you needed something from their defense. And that's I I think that's why we chose him this week. Sorry, I I carried on a little bit. But what are your thoughts on uh, Mr. Slater? No, Slater still holding down. Veteran. Um, still doing what, exactly what they signed him for. And these, those are the type of plays that they that they needed that they needed on their defense. Um, the sucky thing is playing both ways kind of takes away from his production, but he still uh, finds a way to impact the game. And having two big picks, you know, in the game, it kind of people don't see it as deep, but you give the other the other quarterback, you know, you get a quarterback of the other team, you kind of like make them hesitant. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you make them think about throwing your way, and then Slater got that. I don't want to say fear because I know Timothy is just a baller. Like he'll just he'll try anybody, but you're gonna have to show up, and that's what Slater did. And I think uh, he was a big part of his win. I mean, he was scoring on offense. It's it's, it's not much Slater can't do, uh, but he definitely deserved to be defensive player of the week, if not the player of the week. So yeah, <laughs> he, yeah. he he could have been player all around player of the week. If you're listening to my voice, you're now part of the AFF community. But don't be shy about supporting us. Head over to our website and order some AFF swag. Get a t-shirt for this beautiful summer weather. Or a comfy hoodie you can rock all year long. And if you really want the drip, scoop up one of our limited edition snapback caps. Everything you need to represent the AFF community can be found on our website at AmericanFootballInFinland.com forward slash merch. Brought back in case you missed it. We're going to talk about a couple of performances this week that really stood out. First guy, um, Dante Edwards, who played linebacker slash defensive line for UNC Crusaders. He had seven tackles and two sacks. Hugh, you were talking about this guy in the group chat, so I'm going to let you talk about why he kind of stood out this week for you. You know, you know, he, he made some big plays. Um, I mean, seven, like you say, seven and two and two, two, two tackles for loss, two sacks. Um, you need that. UNC needs that on that defense. They need somebody to to take that role of of the leader or leadership qualities to be shown when they in games like that. Uh, you need guys that they're not just going through the motions. They're actually trying to impact the game. They're actually trying to make plays. And I think he did that in this game and, and, and did well. Um, he easily could have probably been up there for defensive player of the week too. Yeah. Um, but in in I always say this. You can and no shot at the Wolverines or any other team that's struggling to figure it out. But imports are good, players are good. But how you play against better teams is how we really judge you. Exactly. You can do whatever you want to do against the Wolverines. You can do, you know, but the, the top the top teams, I need to see what you do against them. Mm-hmm. I need to see you ball out against them. So if you can't do that, then you you got an issue, you know. So uh but yes, he definitely man. balled out. You said it perfectly. And all I'm going to add about Dante Edwards is he's been on my radar all season. Like, hey, there's a little guy for the UNC. He out there working. And he might not always get to the quarterback because he's working by his damn self. But he working. And you see him flying around all game. And in this game, I think it was one of him getting the sacks. He doesn't even normally get sacks because normally he puts the pressure on him so fast that most quarterbacks are able to move around or get rid of the ball. But in this game, he, you know, finally got to bring a couple of them home because his defensive backs were able to actually guard people in this game. So 
congratulations to him on getting those sacks. Those stats are going to kind of let people understand that he's better than what they thought he was. Uh, th- this week, I think there's a couple of players that got stats that finally matched their production. You know, like he's he's a guy who probably should have one, one, one and a half sacks every game, and you just don't see it on the stat line, so you might not understand it. And this game, finally, the way he plays showed up on the stats. The next guy I got on this list is another defensive lineman, the one um, number 33 from the Wasser Royals, DeMarco Artis. He had four and a half tackles this week, two and a half sacks. He had four solo tackles. And what really stood out about this guy for me was that he was everywhere, yet he was constantly making up for the fact that the team wasn't really running at him. A lot of his tackles, a lot of the plays he made, he had to go chase down runners. And even on the sacks that he had, it wasn't like he just shot in there and got a sack. He had to fight off a double team, hope that the, the secondary held up long enough, and then go chase down a quarterback who can move. Like He had to work really hard to get, in my opinion, average stats in a game where all you had to note it where number 33 was the whole game. And then if you look at all these great import players that UNC has, they all at some point, I say this generally and a little lightheartedly, at some point they got tracked down by number 33. Like he was that quick. Mm-hmm. I seen him on one play, and I can't remember who it was. I want to say maybe it was Slater or maybe it was RJ. I, w- I want to say it was Slater where he was running down the play and the linebacker, for the Royals had to play. Like he had the receiver hemmed up, but he missed the tackle. So I see number 33 jogging, mm-hmm. like, you know, following the play. And then as soon as he sees that the tackle is broken, he just hits another gear and goes and catches the, the runner and pushes him out of bounds. I'm like, that's just unfair. Cause he, he had the same speed <laughs> as a skilled player. Like he yeah. was able to catch up from like five yards away, going from a jogging position. That's not something that's normal, and that's what he did in this game. Like he made a lot of plays that he shouldn't have made. Those four and a half tackles rarely was was the play coming to him. He usually had to go get his points, get his tackles in this game. So just wanted to give a shout out to him. Next guy I got on the list. Uh, I don't know why I got him on in case you missed it. I don't think anybody missed him, but I just want to give him his flowers because he did. He could have been player of the week. That's Brandon Gwinner, quarterback from Porvoo Butchers. This guy, hey, he had a day. 23 for 31, 348 yards, four touchdowns, added another 28 rush yards and touchdowns. He accounted for five scores in the game. Uh, what did they score in this game? Like 69? They scored 69. So he accounted for, what, 630. Almost half of those points came from Brandon Gwinner. He he got himself back in the race. He got himself back in the MVP race. This was the game he did it. Um, obviously, the Roosters aren't as great of a team as we initially thought they were. But I still wouldn't say that that defense that they have is, you know, trash. It's not. It's a solid defense. We, we've seen them play well earlier in the season against both the Steelers and the Crocodiles where you – like they were able to hold offenses to a small amount of points. But this game, Brandon Gwinner really just put on his his best performance so far and said, hey, we're better. I'm better. 
my 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 good is better than your good, and he went out there and showed it. It was really impressive, and it's good to see him have a, one of these type of games against a quality opponent. You know, um, it's not the Wolverines; it's an actual team and a team that I mean, I picked against the Butchers. You know, we'll talk about that later. But it was good to see uh, Gwinner have such a good out. And you want to add anything about that that Gwinner play? Yeah, yeah. Salute to Brandon Gwinner, man. Uh, I know we didn't pick; I didn't pick the Portable Butchers to win this game. Um, I just thought the Rooster was had rest. I thought they would come back out with with a little more intensity, a little more organization, uh, pride. Uh, <laughs> but it's just not there. Yeah. I mean, I'm just being honest. The the leadership on the defensive side of the ball, uh, you can call plays, you can tell everybody to huddle up, but it's a difference of being a leader on defense. Leaders on defense, you 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 lucky if you get a vocal one. But also, the only thing that people respect on defense is you making plays. That's what makes defensive leaders is the guys that are showing up in the game, the guys that are uh, that are making tackles, they're not missing tackles on the regular. But the, the Roosters just look, like, depleted. They look tired. Um, Brandon Gwinner just is on another level. Like, yeah. like he's getting better every game. And uh, we all knew that this is what he's capable of. But – I, I gotta say, I didn't expect them to to to, to do what they did in that fashion. Uh, yeah, they just had a different intensity. You could tell they wanted the game more than the Roosters. Um, they played like it. They made the plays. Corner was in his zone. When you got when you got a leader like that on offense, it's hard. It doesn't matter what you do on defense. He's gonna make a way. And Brandon Gwinner did that exactly that. Uh, like. It's, it sucks that you can't give out more player than a week because, because yeah. like, he really should, you know, be up there too because um, he had an outstanding game. I, I can't yeah. even lie. Like, in a, against a quality team, uh, and Porvo does, don't don't put up those type of games against the Roosters often. So uh, this was a confidence thing, an organization thing. Like, this is, this is when you have a, a leader like Brandon Gwinter and you have young guys up under him who you feeds that confidence to, and his play. You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, when you look up to your imports, you say, hey, all right, he's he's our guy. He shows up, and at least he's going to show up in the game. And that's what you expect from your players. And that's what he did. I mean, hats off to Brandon Gwinnett. He balled out. Nico Seppin, all those guys on the receiving court, Porvo Butchers, their defense is playing great. Uh, uh, Roy Koo on, on the defense, he's active. He was making plays, man. They, the Butchers look good. I, I, I hate to say it, but. They, but they always do it like this in the season. Yeah. And I hate to take it away from them, but this this week, Brandon Gwinner, you showed out, man. I, I I like to say that, like, what Gwinner did in this game was kind of a culmination of what he's been doing in Portland since he got there. Is He was able to not only do him, you know, he's a dual-threat quarterback. He can run, he can throw, but he was able to elevate the players around him. And I feel like he has been the difference, and obviously in the development of Lucas Erla as a, a as a a threat as a receiver. But in this game, mm-hmm. you know, he he connected with each one of his receivers. You know, he spread the ball around. It wasn't like it was just him and Miko going at it over and over. Like everyone touched it, everyone got in it, and that just really shows how much he's improving as the season is going on, but also how much this group. And I think we've said this before, and probably the best receiving group in the Maple League might even be the best skill group. Add Mickey J in there, and he's able to lead that group. And to this last game against the Roosters, like 
they put on a clinic and he was at the at the head of it. And I think he's the catalyst for that offense and that team. So really great game. So had to give him his flowers this week too. Uh, next guy I got on here, uh, I'm just going to keep talking about him until I see more people talking about him. And that's uh, one of the wide receivers for the Butchers, Christian Nottingham. Now, I know if anybody watched this game, like, oh, Miko Seppinen was out there balling. Yes, he was. But number seven has six receptions, 113 yards, and one touchdown. This dude just be quietly putting up 100-yard games every week. Just quietly, six, seven receptions, going to give you a hundo, might give you a tub or two. Like, he gets open deep. He gets open middle. I don't think he does. I don't see him catch a lot of short passes. Not really a red zone target, but he wins his one-on-one matchups when you want him to or when you need him to. He shows up big on the uh, first down catches if you need him to. In this game, it was just another day for Christian Nottenen. He is easily becoming one of my favorite Finnish receivers, which uh, just throwing this out there too. I got a lot of them this year. I'm feeling – I feel like last year we – we said a lot either on the podcast or in the group chat that, you know, the receiving play in the Maple League is down. And it was a lot of guys that just weren't good playing. And then this year, I feel like maybe not, maybe some of those guys that weren't good last year got better. Someone like Lucas Arella got better. But someone like Christian Nottingham, he wasn't here last year. He was playing in the GFL. And someone like Miko Seppinen, he's playing even more consistently on a better offense this year. And then when I start throwing out other names, Johannes Johanan is always doing his thing. Yane Sarkula does his thing. But right now, I think Kristen Nathanen might be the best finish receiver in Finland. Yeah, I, I feel confident saying that. No, Oh, well, yeah, I'm giving his flowers. This week he showed out. But wait, wait, we got to go back. You said, you said he's a, the best up and coming? I, no, I think he might be the best – Finnish receiver in the Maple League this season. And when I say that, that's putting a lot of pressure on him. But I Ooh. only can think of maybe two or three guys that I think Suntu, I think Suntu is better than all of them. We just don't get to see him preview like preview the way he needs to be. Just sucks because we're doing in case you missed it, but I agree with I know. you 100. I I agree <laughs> yeah. with you 100. Yeah. I I believe that Santu Vekamaki is the most underutilized talent in the Maple League. But if I had to go off of, you know, performances, I think Christian Nottingham has been the most consistent, the most effective, and the most reliable out of anyone in the league, even the receivers on his team, which three of the receivers on his team could be considered the top receivers of Finland as well. So um, just wanted to give him a shout-out. Again, I'm going to keep giving him a shout-out until I feel like everybody in Finland understands that he's the real deal and he's one of the best. Um, last guy we're going to talk about, because, uh, I mean, we just have to keep talking about him, uh, defensive back from Senior Crocodiles, Eric Irvin. He had three tackles, one tackle for loss, and one fumble recovery for touchdown. I guess they didn't call mm-hmm. it a block. Like, stats-wise, he didn't get a block for that. But, uh, again, it was unnecessary, but he, he keeps scoring wow. touchdowns and blocking kicks and just making great overall football plays. And this was another week of him doing that. Even though they were up big when it happened, it just shows that, you know, the Crocodiles don't take it easy. And Irvin has found a place, a team that supports him where he can play his style of football. And he's been able to do this consistently. And this week, 
he just had another week of him doing that. Uh, what did you think about Irvin's play this week? You know, Eric, like I said the other day, uh, Eric is becoming the honey badger uh, of Finland right now. Uh, I think he in his own, and he's just making plays with his team. He's he's finding ways to impact the game. I mean, blocks every week, returns for touchdowns. Like, they're scoring on defense like every game almost. So True. Eric is is well on his way to having a great, probably one of his best seasons ever in Finland this year. And with the right team, the right players, uh, all you have to do is just come up and make those plays sometimes. Yeah. And I think he understands that and he fits well with he fits well with, with that core that they have. Uh he's not he's never been egotistical. He's never been like a me guy, um, from my knowledge. But I think with Sanioki, it's a safe place for him to to be himself, to show, mm-hmm. let his talent show. He doesn't have to try to do everything. Yeah. He's just, all right, we look for you to to make those those block plays, those plant blocks, those those type of plays, do returns. And uh, he's just been balling, man, for that team. Like, the Crocs are on a roll, man. And it's because of guys like him who consistently show up every week. So we all know the results of the last weekend's game. And if you don't know the results, go check out American Football in Finland on Instagram. And we put up the results of every weekend's games. I think we put it up on Sunday or Monday, one of those two days. So you can see all the scores and what everybody's like uh, records are as well. Uh, but let's get into these games. And we're going to talk about the first game of the weekend, Helsinki Roosters versus Portville Butchers. Uh first, before we before we get into the nitty-gritty, I know that uh the Butcher's Nation has probably uh been listening to these podcasts and, and understands that we've been calling them the Dallas Cowboys, and I am the leader of that. I termed that I coined that term for this team, and I understand that with this big win against the Roosters and not big because, you know, it was hard, but it was a, a situation where I think we all thought the Butchers were the better team, but not everybody thought that the Butchers would win the game. And this team was able to show us what they look like in full form, which we've seen, you know, I think one other game they played in full form as well, but this was probably the first, the, the most important full form. Like this is them against a, a team that we weren't sure that they were going to be able to beat. I would like to apologize to the Poor Voo Butchers fan base for any wrongdoing I have done in saying that you weren't as good as you are. And when I say that, I am not taking the term Dallas Cowboys away from you. And when I say, when I do that, I also mean that being a Dallas Cowboys can be good or bad. The Dallas Cowboys are one of the best teams in the NFC East on a consistent basis just haven't got a playoff win or got to the NFC Championship or Super Bowl in a long time. And that's why I, I still believe that's true with the Butchers. I think this team is really good. You got Maple Bowl talent. You can get to the Maple Bowl. You could win the Maple Bowl. Will you win the Maple Bowl? We'll find out. And until you do, you remain what I think the Dallas Cowboys are every year, a very good team, a very good team. But – now that that's said, I just wanted to get that out the way. I don't want any hard feelings or anything. I believe the team is good. But to get into this actual game against the Roosters, I think it's pretty simple. Butchers are the better team. 
Butchers came out. We've talked about it earlier. Brandon Gwinner was firing on all cylinders, hitting everybody. They were the better team. What stood out for me in this game was that the Mickey J effect. I think having Mickey J on the field just makes this offense click better. I I believe that the number twenty two um, Hirvonen that was playing a couple for a couple weeks, I guess while Mickey J was injured or something, I thought he was good. But you could see there's a, a huge difference when Mickey's on the field. Like his explosion, his vision, his playmaking ability, just making plays at the right time. Him scoring that touchdown against the Roosters and breaking two tackles in the process, making their older players, their veteran players, look like they're a little too old to be out there. That's what he brings to this offense in a capacity that he doesn't overshadow the young receiving core and the quarterback kind of leading it all with his arm and legs. So I think that his presence is what really makes this team good. And when he's, when he's there, they always have a chance to win because they have a balanced attack that can hurt you both Mm -hmm. through the run game or with a pass. And then outside of that, I just, there's not a lot to say. The butchers were the better team and they dominated. So I don't want to overemphasize how much they did because I feel like they were the better team. They should have won. They went out there and did it in in style. Six, what was it? What was the score of this game again? It was like 40 to 23 or something like that. I forget what the score was. Okay. <laughs> again, the reason uh, the reason I don't remember what the score was, because it was six to twenty-nine at half. I stopped watching. I only watched first half of blowouts. Like it was over. And I'm glad that they did it in, in one half because these weekday games are always tough to watch because I'd be wanting to watch movies or go to sleep at night. So I appreciate the butchers doing that. And I, I think that they really deserve this win. And it was a good win for them. A good like statement win that we're a good team, not an on the border team. I think if they would have lost this game, we still would have said they're a good team. But we would have been like, but we don't know if they're a playoff or a, you know, Maple Bowl contender. But them winning this game lets us know that they're a team that it plans to be more consistent this season. And I mean, and they got to beat their rivals. I don't know if everyone understands it, but Roosters and Butchers are two of the most successful and oldest Maple League teams in Finland. They are rivals. Like they should be rivals. They have the history to be rivals. Kind of reminds me like Ohio State, Michigan type of rivalry. Mm-hmm. Where I feel like it was one sided for a very long time. But now butchers might be able to, you know, even things up next couple of years. Who knows? Uh, what were your thoughts on it? You got something to add to it? Before we talk about the roosters, let's talk about the butchers. Because I got to <laughs> say about the roosters. <laughs> well, well, I'll say this. Uh, like you said, they, they're they one of the most storied franchises in Finland. They've been around a long time. And I think it's finally paying off. They finally put the right pieces together uh, mm-hmm. to make it a to make a run or to have a chance. And I just think they they seizing that moment. They're seeing like what the other teams are doing. Uh, but I think they addressed what they needed to address. Address. So they got Brandon Winter. They got a consistent quarterback. Uh, he's not run happy. He's not uh, pass happy. He's he's balanced. And he knows when he doesn't make a lot of bad decisions throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want. Um, but the Butchers, I mean, with Mickey, you know, he he looks he looks healthy. Yes. Uh, the way they shredded that defense, man, I was I was embarrassed. Honestly, <laughs> I was embarrassed. Like I love the Roosters, man. You know, like I, yeah. I love the Roosters. I love what the organization is about. Um, I don't agree with every decision they make as far as imports and all that stuff, but I do still think that they're 
you know, a story franchise and a good team, but I just like I just feel like like you could do better than that. I'm not saying that the butchers aren't aren't good, but the butchers, man, they they came in there like we're better than y'all. We could mm-hmm. beat y'all. You seen it from the jump. Exactly. You seen it from the start though. Like it was no fear, no nothing. Like we're better than y'all. We're gonna show y'all. And they did that. Like literally everything. I mean, the Roots couldn't do anything. I just I want to throw this out here. Because, like I said, I watched first half. I don't really care what happened in the second half. I mean, it's great for stats and all that. But first half, the Roosters had 67 total yards. 67. 26 rush yards, 41 pass yards. That's ridiculous. And and apparently one touchdown. Like, that really says it all. You can't get 100 yards in the first half. Like, the, the offense and the Roosters' offense, again, it has its issues. But... I can't blame the offense when you're you're getting when you're getting just beat down on defense. As soon as you start getting down by one or two scores, offense kind of becomes difficult if you don't have a you know high scoring type of offense. And the Roosters right. defense, it was horrible. And and I say that with an asterisk. I believe their defensive line still played good. I do. I, I think their defensive line played good, but their linebacking core and their secondary they shit the bed. Like there was mm-hmm. plays where defense alignment are moving players for the for the butchers offensive line, forcing a play to go somewhere that they don't want to go, making Mickey J go somewhere he doesn't want to go, but he can go because no one else is filling the gaps. Like it's they don't play complementary football on defense. You find you see that there's holes in the defense when the safeties are playing high and you're able to throw a post underneath it and no one is there in the in the linebacking group even though they're supposed to be like you can see these like obvious mistakes or if someone is playing you know man coverage and just gets beat one on one knowing that they don't have help on top in the secondary like these very basic things are will were continually showing up in this game the the butchers didn't come out there with some crazy game plan they showed up, said, we're better than you, stop us. And the Roosters were like, mm-hmm. we wish we could. Yeah. <laughs> we wish we could, but we can't. And that's how this game went. And I, I think it was just indicative of where these two franchises are going this season. Like the Roosters are progressively getting worse. They're regressing while the Butchers are getting better. And they're kind of going in opposite directions. I think one thing for the Roosters is that with only having beaten the Wolverines this early in the season – they have to make a pivot, and I, I know that they will, but I don't think that they're going to be able to make a run for it with what they have and what they yeah. have left to go in the season. It's just too much. Yeah. The, the one and one, one three, that's just too much. Yeah, I think I think the Roosters, uh, they're going to stick it out with what they got. You know, the young players and the younger players are going to get a lot of experience out of this, but for the older guys, uh, these seasons hurt. Um, because you don't you don't start out the way that you thought any other organization uh, usually would make changes at this point. Um, yeah. But I don't I don't foresee the Roosters doing that. It's very rare that they uh, let go. But we did see that the uh, Dume, uh was released or sent home or whatever. So I don't know if they're going to try to make a, a uh, get a running back or get somebody to help out on defense. I'm not sure. I guess we'll find out in the coming days, but Roosters just got to do better. They got to bring to the table what they more than what they're bringing now and to have a chance. Yeah. So 
Um, now yeah, you got just, me. It looks bad now, though. Yeah, you got <laughs> me thinking. Bad. So I'm going to ask about it anyways. If you, they're one and three, right? I think they're one and three. Yeah, they didn't get to play the, the Royals. So that, I mean, if they had lost that game against the Royals, they would be one and four. And, and I'm not saying they will lose when they play the Royals, but it's my my question to you is like in this situation, they they know they're not going to get relegated. Because they can still beat the Wolverines, and we yeah. don't foresee the Wolverines making much of a change. And if they beat the Wolverines one more time, that's two wins. And I mean, it is what it is. Do you think that this is at the point where it's like you you just try to make it to twenty twenty four, similar to like wh- what people are telling me about my Los Angeles Rams in twenty twenty three? Like okay, we're gonna try to win five or six games. And retool for next year and try to make playoffs. Like, do do you feel like the the Roosters are at the point where it's like playoffs might be too much of a stretch? Let's just work on a few things, scale it back, and prepare mm-hmm. for next year. Or what? What do you What do you think they're at right now with the record being the way it is? Um, you're still two. Let me see. They're in at one and three. They're still. I mean, they're technically only one game out of the playoff spot. Yeah, I think they still have a chance. I think uh, depending on if they bring somebody else in or not, that'll let me know how serious they are about this season. Or they just what would you do, Coach? I, I guess that's my real question. It's like, if it oh, was I'm you, firing everybody. You're just going to clean house? I'm firing I'm firing the offense coordinator. Uh, I'm getting rid of my quarterback. I would have been got rid of the quarterback if it was me. I'm just being honest. Yeah, because we we they're not an organization that does rebuilding like that. They win, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's my standard. And then I'm gonna keep that standard. So, uh, the the imports I bring in, they need to know that what I expect every game. You can ask anybody that I coached in 2017. The imports, I had a meeting with them the first day. Hey, you're not here to be average. You're not here to be average. Don't have average games. We, we, I'm, it's unacceptable. The standard is winning. The standard is beating everybody. So, um, yeah, I'm getting rid of the quarterback. If my running back gets hurt, I try to adjust that too. Um, but one and three, it's not over. We can make a run. Uh, I see a lot of the teams, and the Crocs are the only team that's consistently playing good every game. And when me seeing that, then I know we got a chance that we just make a few changes here and there. We got a chance of of, of the second round of beating some of those teams. So, uh that's that's what I would do. I don't think that's what you high and, and the Roosters are gonna do, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, my point of view, obviously, I don't, I don't really care about the whole like winning stuff. Like, I I feel, I personally feel like they have way too much to fix outside of just the imports. Like, if if their only issue was you know our quarterback is slowing us down, we're losing games because we can't score. Yeah, get rid of quarterback. But that's not the only issue. You can't stop anybody either. And it's like if you get rid of your best import on offense, who's your playmaker, because you can't get him the ball. It's not his fault. They can't get him the ball. That's not that's not Pierce's fault. But even if you bring in someone that you can get the ball to, it's not going to make their defense any better. Even if they bring in a linebacker or a DB, they're going to have to bring mm-hmm. in a lot to make it even make sense. And then it comes mm-hmm. to that point, it's like, is it worth it? to bring in or change so much at this point. I mean, I don't know, but it's always, it's always, I think it's always worth it. 
I yeah. think it's always worth it. Um, because that's the end goal. The end goal you want to win. Yeah. Like if you if you're gonna say, oh, we're gonna stick with what we got and we're just gonna go through the motions. Like who? who look, nobody wants to play a whole season when you're not trying to win. You're not trying to help the team win. Nobody wants to play that season. Like so, I don't understand. Now the Wolverines, they stay in a hard place. Yeah, they gotta do what they gotta they do. They in a hard place. You know what I'm saying? But the Roosters, you went out and signed people that you wanted to make a difference on this team. So that means you actually planned on winning. Um, so now you come into this one and three, like what, what? look at the film and say, okay, it's not totally on the quarterback, but it starts there. Yeah. You know, it starts there. So yeah. if you're looking at the games and you look at the play, are you being productive as my quarterback? Are True. you putting us in the best situations? Are they dropping balls or is it you? Uh, when you when you look at the D line, they got a lot of players in the D line. Some injured, some not. Are, are you getting pressure on the regular? Are you getting sacks? Uh, I think they have good. I think they got good interior D linemen. Like I yeah. think, um, what is his name, Mark Kid or the young kid and Will yeah. Little? I think they do good. They have a, they have some nice D line, but they, they don't just, have like edge the linebackers. The yeah. linebackers, linebackers, the linebackers hurt when you can't have any support in the linebackers, it's going to hurt. It's not going to put you in a, in a great situation. But what you want to do is, is try to – but really what you want to try to do is get your linebackers, you know, to help out. And if they can't fill the holes, it doesn't matter how good your D-line is. It's still going to be holes in there. And that's why they're getting gashed every game. That's why uh, they're bleeding. Yeah, true that. Yeah, I, I guess so, we're, we're talking long on the Roosters, but we always do. You know, it is what it is. We'll move on to the next game. Uh, so moving to the hold on, which game? The second game? Okay, we're only at the second yeah. game of the weekend. Uh, Crocodiles versus Wolverines. Oh, just looking at my notes, it was forty-eight to zero at half. So obviously, I didn't watch any second half. Um, well, I'm talking Wolverines first. I mean, obviously, we don't have a lot expectation wise but they had 15 total yards at halftime i want to say if i'm reading this right Oof. they have i think they had they either had 31 rush and negative 16 or they had negative 31 rush and plus 16 i can't i cannot remember which one it was one of those stats was in a negative i know that i wrote i wrote down a dash so i, I can't tell which one was negative but i do know that one of their offensive stat categories, they had negative yards in this game. Um, the Wolverines just they just looked overwhelmed and they didn't look like they didn't look like they were attempting to not get beat bad. Like the, they kept calling pass plays and Rasmus was just throwing it up. Probably the worst mm -hmm. game I've seen from him. And I don't even count it because he was under pressure every half second. And him throwing it up was his way of not dying. And I ain't mad at anybody that's trying to live because this O-line, they just couldn't block the Crocodiles at all. They just overwhelmed. I think that's really how you can sum up this game. Uh, on my end, I wanted to say something about, oh, the Crocodiles' defense. This was one of them games, and I still believe, like, playing the Wolverines is this game where if you're good and maybe your stats aren't showing it, this is when you get your stats up, so your stats mm -hmm. match your play. And their their cornerback, uh, Toivola, he had a, an easy interception, almost had two of them, 
And I think I don't think he's had any interceptions this season, but he's been really good on that other side. Um, the mm-hmm. number five, Thomas Anacitas, uh, you know, I don't too much care for his play. But Toyville has been good all year, but he hasn't made a ton of, like, big plays. So he doesn't, like, jump out on people's, like, radar. Oh, this is a really good player. So this is one, one of the games where I wish he would have got that second interception because then his stats would have, like, showed up when you start looking at people's stats. And then people are like, oh, who is that? And then you look and watch. He's a really good corner. He plays really mm-hmm. good. He makes a lot of uh, PBUs. Uh, attacks the ball even if a receiver catches it he's able to make contact and separate players from the ball and this game again it was easy he had an easy interception thrown to him pretty much twice I mean you gotta take those when you can but I just wanted to put that out there that he's been playing good all season and this was kind of a chance for his stats to show how well he's been playing all year and that's kind of Mm -hmm. what this game was for the crocodiles if you ask me Uh, Mm -hmm. what about you what are your thoughts on this one uh I mean, it was a terrible game to to watch. It's a beating. Yeah. Um, Crocodile was rolling, uh, pretty much going through the motions. What I did like, though, out of this game is that why is Christian Powell in the game when you're up 42 points? Mm. Uh, I, don't, I didn't like that. He doesn't need to be in the game at this point because he's gonna you're gonna need him down the line. Yeah, uh, when they, when the rest of these teams make their runs and their stretches after midsummer. You need him to be refreshed, and maybe they wanted to juice his stats up a little bit. I'm not sure, but that was, other than that, uh, they they looked confident. They looked uh, together, and it's not hard to do when you're playing against the Wolverines. Um, I feel bad for the Wolverines. I'll say it again: Wolverines uh, general manager, y'all holler at me, man. You want you want the Wolverines to, to get back to greatness. You want them to get back to being a contender, man. Holler at me in the all season. We might make some work. Because what what y'all putting out there right now, I know you're not happy about, but the people, the fans, the team, the players, they deserve better than that. And uh, so, yeah, y'all holler at me. But other than that, um, the Crocs still doing their thing, just gearing up for the rest of the season. Yeah. I don't foresee the Crocs losing a game now. I don't foresee them losing a game. Um, I think they're just in the in the in in the seat. They're in the driver's seat of the league right now. So you got them going eleven and one. Yeah, I, I don't think they lose to anybody again. I just think – I'm not – I'm. let me not say that. <laughs> I if mean, their starters – if their starters continue to play the way they're playing, I don't see anybody beating them. Um, but there's a chance they can be beat, obviously. But yeah, I anybody. just see them – yeah, it's like – They shouldn't be like beat. I, How about that? They that shouldn't be beat. They like should said, not be got, beat. You got Zach Whitehead, who's the, the most – shield quarterback that you could possibly have that doesn't just he they're not watching him on film and which is the good thing for him because he can do stuff and he can handle the offense in a way that he needs to without them you know constantly bringing pressure pressure on him yeah Um, so they're in a good they're in a good space you know they're in a good spot um if i'm everybody else i'm worried about the props i'm just being honest if i'm everybody else because the more you win the more confidence you get, uh, the, the you walk different, you talk different, you play at a higher level. And I think once you smell blood, like what they're doing, like we got a chance of winning this thing. And that, this this year would mean more than anything for them to win the championship. So that group, we'll, that offensive line that they have, in my opinion, is just my opinion, guys. Obviously, you take it or leave it. 
they're an, an average group, but their attitude and the effort mm-hmm. that they show on the field, it's what makes them one of the best offensive lines in the league as a group, not as individuals. And like you said, if this team is consistently getting confidence, that's scary. Because I would hate to go up against that group of offensive linemen. And we we said it last year, very similar uh, group of they're very, like, nasty, hard-nosed, you know, little dirty, if you want to say that, depending on how you feel about the trenches. I don't want to play a confident 11-1 and or technically – well, technically 11-1 and unofficially undefeated Crocodiles team. Like, I would never want to play that team. Because them with confidence is ridiculous because they're good without confidence. We we said it last year that we thought they were a lot better than what they played, but their confidence wasn't, you know, they weren't expected to be good. This year, they're expected to be good. They know they're good, and they're playing great. And that that's just a credit to what they've been as an organization. And this win was just, you know, another stepping stone. If you're listening to my voice, you're now part of the AFF community. But don't be shy about supporting us. Head over to our website and order some AFF swag. Get a t-shirt for this beautiful summer weather. Or a comfy hoodie you can rock all year long. And if you really want the drip, scoop up one of our limited edition snapback caps. Everything you need to represent the AFF community can be found on our website at AmericanFootballInFinland.com forward slash merch. Last game of the weekend, United Newland Crusaders versus the Wasa. Royals. Oh, let me look at my notes here. This game was tied at halftime. I feel like we can talk about this for about 30 minutes, but I'll try not to. First, let, let's talk let's talk about the bad stuff. Get it out the way, maybe. Uh Timothy Morovic, four interceptions. Four interceptions. I I looked at all of them. Three bad decisions, one bad throw. Honestly, if you had to like pinpoint what was the difference in the game. I think these turnovers will be the difference. I think if you take away at least two of these interceptions, it's a 14-point swing, Royals win by a touchdown. I know there's real hypothetical to go out there and say it, but the interception in the back of the end zone, he should have threw the ball away. But instead, he floated it up, and Slater don't play that. It is what it is. Um, the, uh, the second interception by Slater in the fourth quarter, when they're trying to tie the game, he throws into like triple coverage. I think that's what you said when we were talking in the chat room. He throws into triple coverage. Why? Why? And the ball, he just, it hung a little bit. But he throws in triple coverage. Again, Curtis Slater, don't play that. The last interception, I don't remember exactly what the what the player, where he was trying to go with it. But I do know that it was their, you know, last chance to get a score. And it turns out. They don't they don't score on that. So it's like three bad decisions. I feel like all three of those balls, if he holds the ball, takes a sack or anything, they fight to live another day and they can move the ball and eventually get points even. The one where um RJ gets it, he just overthrew Alpha Jallo on like a slant or something like that. That happens. It just it slips out, it happens. That one I, I can say that was a gimme. But those other three were decisions. Those were bad decisions that put his team in a situation where now their defense has to correct or make up for something that their offense did, and their defense wasn't good enough to do that. The defense isn't good enough to do that. This is not a team that can afford those type of mistakes from their quarterback. I know it's harsh to say that, but we've said this before. Like, if you're an import, you have to stand out. 
you have to do what imports do. And as a quarterback on this team with this personnel, Timothy can't make that many mistakes. Three bad decisions is way too many. He can make one. I give him two even. With three, his team couldn't overcome it. And now you're looking at a team that I don't want to say this too lightly, but they they could have won the game. I'm not gonna say they should have won it, but they could have won the game. And I think his his play kind of was indicative of why they didn't win the game. When when Alpha is is constantly touching the ball, um, that puts a lot of pressure on the defense. And I feel like they kind of went away from him in the fourth quarter, third and fourth quarter, kind of, where maybe Tim was trying to uh, get the ball to us, maybe some other players, and he made some bad decisions. And sometimes it happens at quarterback. Sometimes they're incomplete passes. Sometimes they're pass breakups. But he just so happened to have the interceptions. And you can't have four turnovers in any game and expect to win, um, especially yeah. late turnovers. And I think Tim understands that. He knows that he can put, you know, the Royals in better a better position. I know the Royals left that game with a bad feeling in them, a bad feeling, bad taste in their mouth because they had it. You know, they, they felt like, you know, we had this game. They scored in the end. They go at one point. Um and it just was like, all right, we're here. Now yeah. we have to. But but UNC got one thing that the Royals can't account for, and that's Mr. Robert Johnson on the <laughs> sideline. So he's been in a lot of two-minute drill situations. Uh, he's been in a lot of uh, these situations, so he knows what type of plays to call. They came back down, scored immediately. <laughs> They scored immediately uh, after you know some 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 plays for the defense, but UNC new quarterback Riley, you know, yeah, there he's back now, so uh, he looked good for a first game. You know, jet lag and all that stuff. He looked good for a first game. Got a first win. That's what you want. And, and UNC needed that win. You know, they needed it. And uh, I think their core will, will get better. I think they'll be better. Um, but they needed that game against the Royals. Um, because it kind of put a stunt in the Royals as far as they're 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 going going on in the season, but Timothy still had a good game. Um, I think he's still one of the top quarterbacks. He just so happened to have some bad mistakes in this game that cost him, and uh, the UNC took took advantage of it. And the, and all of their import players made a made a made an impact on this game. And they're going to have to do this every game because they just don't have the depth playing both ways. Guys giving all they got, you know, they got to win and. And it feels good to win when you're tired. And um, I know they had a you know a good day. So, um, but it was a great game. Yeah, um, to watch. finally, it was a probably great the game. Best to game watch. we've seen all year, right? Yeah, yeah, that was a great game to watch, and, and we want more of that. You know what I mean? So, um, shout out to Vasa and shout out to UNC for getting their win. And uh, man, the, the season is, is still you know midway, but uh, the Royals have to play four games in 13 days. Um, so that's going to be. It was a game that's that kind of yeah they needed this. Yeah, that's, that's going to be crucial, um, just health wise. And uh, but they could they they it would have been nice to have this win when they could go into this this gauntlet of games. So uh, we'll see how you know how they fare coming out of it. But definitely was a great game. Just something I want to throw out there. I mean, Alpha Jallo played as good as he could play. Like I don't think he could do any more for this team in this game. He had what. 188 yards, three touchdowns, and he played on defense. The the Royals, this is kind of me backtracking from what I'm saying about what how Tim played earlier. You know, I said that, you know, his bad decisions with the ball, those cost him points. But why did he make those decisions? Because he didn't have any help. If he if you're not throwing the ball to Alpha Jallo, no one else is catching the ball. 
every time he threw it somewhere else, it was either an incompletion or a turnover. Very, I mean, I think about half of his um, completions went to Alpha Jallo, and the other half were split between Tom Swosti and like two other receivers on the team. And the yardage is nominal, if anything, for the rest of those guys. Alpha had almost 200 yards receiving. And that just shows, especially in this game, we have the Crusaders who had a lot of options with their imports playing pretty much everywhere on the field. Everyone was involved in their scoring. You know, Seth Rowland had a couple touchdowns. Curtis Slater had a couple touchdowns. Uh, Riley Yeldale ran in a touchdown. And he obviously threw some, some balls. So they were able to put the ball in different people's hands while the Royals have to strictly rely on Timothy Morovic, Tom Swosti, Alpha Jallo. That's who makes their plays. And in this game, there were situations where you couldn't force feed the ball to Alpha. You had to go somewhere else, and you couldn't hand it off to Swosti. And basically, if Timothy threw it, we it probably wasn't going to be a, a completion. If he ran it, he might get some yards. But we could, you can't ask him to run it the entire game. He did run a few times and, and extend drives, but – there needs to be another outlet for him to be successful and for this team to be successful. And in these games, these four games, the 13 days are going to play. They don't add a receiver. They're not going to make it through that gauntlet winning more than one or two of those games. And I don't even care who they're playing unless they're playing the Wolverines twice. That, <laughs> that, that might be the only team they can beat in that, in that period of time with not having any hope for Tim and alpha. I think that also goes for alpha. If you bring another receiver, that gives him more big play opportunities. He doesn't have to get a – I mean, he don't have to, but he could catch the screen pass and then um, outrun the entire defense to score points. And when you see Alpha Jolly get the ball, every time he catches the ball, he's trying to score. And the reason he's trying to score every time is because he knows if he doesn't, they might not score. Like If he doesn't get to the end zone, they might not score. And that can, that can weigh – on a player over time. Like that can be something that could lead to, you know, bad decisions, like we said with Timothy. And also it could lead to injury. It could lead to, you know, him dropping a pass because he's trying to run before he catches it. Cause he's like, Oh, I got to hurry up, make this move because I know if I don't, we might not get another opportunity. This is, this can all be remedied for the Royals by bringing in another receiver. I know he has to be a European receiver, but there's a whole lot of them over there in Sweden bring in another receiver that can take the pressure off of Alpha, give Timothy an, an option, somewhere to go with the ball outside of him using his legs if he doesn't feel comfortable throwing it to receivers. Um, I know I'm talking a lot about the Royals, but that's because I feel like they they had, they had learned the most from this game. I don't think the Crusaders learned anything. They got good players. If, if they want to make plays, they make plays. And that's what they did in this game. They made plays. No, no disrespect to that, but they made all the plays they should make. Their defense was – they created turnovers. I have here written on my notes, Crusaders defense creates turnovers. That's how they play defense. Royals defense hopes the other team punts. And that's the difference. <laughs> in, both teams are giving up tons of yards and points. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you, if you notice, whenever the Royals stop the Crusaders – the Crusaders punted the ball, which is field position. While whenever the Crusaders stopped the Royals, it was a takeaway. It was an interception. 
It was something to change the game and give them better field position and help Mm -hmm. their offense. It's complementary. And that's the biggest difference in these two teams to me is I believe both O-lines, average, not very good. Neither O-line was really stopping the star defensive person on the other team. But when you look at the Crusaders, there was times in this game where Laman Latika or Raul Khalifa, the two linebackers for the Royals, would blitz untouched and not get a sack Mm -hmm. because Riley Odell either threw it before they got there or made them miss. And this didn't happen a few times. This happened a lot consistently. The, the, uh, the Crusaders offensive line never picked up a stunt. Anytime the Royals did any type of stunt up front, somebody came through free every time. Yet they did not have that many sacks. I want to say they had like three sacks in the game. And that just shows how much better Riley Yeldell was than the defenders for the Royals. And that's an issue mm-hmm. for the Royals more than it is for the Crusaders. Again, Crusaders are going to be able to skate by with a bad O-line because their skilled players are that damn good. It's a credit to them. But for the Royals, you've got to step your game up to – combat this team this is the team that they're probably battling for certain seeding in the playoffs i think i mean obviously they're going to play them again but i see these two teams playing each other in the playoffs i think how the seeding is going to work they're going to end up playing each other at some point in the playoffs mm-hmm. but i mean i could be wrong obviously i'm just guessing out there but i would like to see that so i, I do think it was a really good game though watching both these teams play because i feel like they're similar but different you know, both have very high upsides, but both also have their own issues. And I think they both kind of exploited both sides. You saw the good and the bad for both teams. They put it all out there. And now you can you can easily look at these two teams and say, okay, they need to do this, they need to do this, and they'll be fine. Like both of these teams, I don't have a lot of like concern that they're going to start losing or play bad. Like, I feel like both these teams are getting really good. I hate that the Crusaders are getting good because I still wholeheartedly believe that as an organization, it's ridiculous to have a team full of imports and not players. But for the sake of this podcast and entertainment, I am glad to see they are doing well with what they have. And I'm really glad they brought in a running quarterback who looked really fast. He had that one play where he just ran. Like, he mm-hmm. just stepped up in the pocket and hit the sideline. You can see. He probably still got a little jet lag, but once he get used to it, they got some things going with a running quarterback. Okay, just an update on our pick em. We're not picking any games this week because it's midsummer break. But currently, right now, I'm going to do all 10 voters. First place, Spencer Cutlin at 14-3. and three. Tied for second would be Chris Green and Coach Q at 13 and four. Can't believe Q is higher than me, but it happens. Uh, Tied for fourth place would be Finland Swami and Alex Malcho. They're both 10 and four. In sixth place is me, Perfect Purvis at 12 and five. In seventh, Coach Mike Maddenly at nine and five. At eight, Jamal Clay at eight and three. At nine, at nine, Jabari Harris is seven and four. And then last is Andy Bazir at five and three, mostly because he hasn't picked enough games to be any higher. And that's our pick. 
That's it for this episode of American Football and Feeling. Hope it was worth the listen. Q, any last words before we get out of here? So, no, I don't have anything. You know, we talked about what we talked about. We're going to see what happens the rest of the season. I, I just want to wish everybody a happy uh, midsummer and hope people are safe and enjoy your long drinks. Uh, it's going to be plus 30 out there. Uh, let that pale skin show, guys. Get them tans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoy the show, follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, YouTube, and wherever you listen to your podcast. And don't forget to rate us five stars as well. Anything less tells us you are a hater. You can follow us on the gram and Facebook at American Football in Finland. Until next time, never forget T I F. We go. And we go. American Football in Finland.